Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland. Our guest on this episode is Ryan Davis, who now is a writer at Forbes Sports, and he still does some work for uh, Locked On Cubs. Uh, we talk about all things Cubs. You know, they're not playing very good right now. Um, we talk a little bit about the legacy of Bill Buckner and a little bit about Steve Bartman. It gets kind of bummer, but, you know, I want to talk about it because I think it's important. Um, and we talk about his new uh, podcast, Everybody's Stupid Except Me, which is, uh, he'll explain the title, but it sounds like it's going to be pretty good. Uh, you can follow him at Ryan Q. Davis on Twitter, and you should. He's a good follow, and um, here is Ryan. Welcome back to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm glad to have you back on. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry that I wasn't able to be on, uh, you know, pastimes that you asked me. I just uh, had a real busy schedule, and so I'm glad that I've been able to join you. Yeah, actually, at the end of this, I'll ask you about your new project that you are just talking about today oh, with yeah. your schedule, but we'll save that for the end. Yeah, good tease. Yes. Um, all right, so I guess lately we've been I've been able to ask people, what do you think of the Cubs' incredible play, but... That has not been the case the past about two weeks. So, yeah. you know, kind of a slump, but I'll ask you, how are you feeling about the Cubs right now? Well, I think this is a team that, as constructed, is good, probably good enough to win the division, kind of having seen the way the rest of the division is performing. Uh, but they're not a good enough team to win a World Series. And at this point, you know, having one under the belt – and having made four straight postseason appearances, I think anything short of a team that's good enough to win a World Series is a failure. Now, obviously, they can improve the team still. The The big area of concern that everyone's had is the bullpen, and that's justified considering what's there and how they've performed. But uh, lately, it looks like the starting pitching hasn't been very good. Now, obviously, when they were playing well, the starting pitching was going great. So it's probably not fair to judge the starters on just this recent stretch, you know, watching John Lester give up six runs tonight uh, so far anyway. Uh, so it, I, I just don't think that this rotation is, you know, at least from what we've seen from them is going to be, the kind that you can lean on a, in a postseason series. You know, I, I feel good about Kyle Hendricks, um, but except for the last three games, I feel good about John Lester in a postseason series. I, I don't know how good I feel about Jose Quintana in a postseason series. I haven't seen him do it. Uh, Cole Hamels has had some good games, but so far this year, there's been a lot of questions about you know his ability to miss bats, especially recently. He's you know, struggled in some games. So I, and then there's the U Darvish question. What guy are you going to get in October if they get there? We don't know yet. He's only looked good in, you know, little sporadic uh, instances so far. So uh, my take, I guess, if I were to sum all of that up is I just don't think they're good enough to win a championship right now, but I think that they're good enough to be, let's say one of the worst division winners. 
Yeah, and it's one of those things too. It's you know, with Lester and Hamels, they're they're thirty five years old. So it's like, I mean, like Lester started out unbelievably. Mm-hmm. You know, at one eighteen ERA. I mean, simple looking at his career stats, that wasn't going to last. So I mean, I'm not shocked we're seeing this regression, but you do wonder with the Hamels and the Lester, can we really count on them when they're you know at this stage in their career for the whole year? But you know, maybe, maybe we're just reacting to a few bad starts in a row. Yeah, and, and I don't want to be too knee jerk about you know what we've seen recently. Um, especially with Lester who, you know, he'll, he'll have these stretches where he kind of gets away from what's working for him. Or he, uh, he even talked about it recently, you know, that something just isn't right that he needs to fix. And I, I think once he fixes that, he's going to be, you know, maybe not the guy who had the, you know, ERA of one, but maybe a guy who's still a very good starting pitcher. So I'm, I'm not as worried about him long-term, I am a little more worried about Cole Hamels um, just because I, I don't think we've seen, we saw a few games where he was kind of getting away with what he had and, and pitching. Okay. Um, and then there were a couple good ones, but you know, overall this year, it hasn't been great. And, you know, prior to them acquiring him last year, he wasn't very good with the Texas Rangers. So, you know, the, I have some questions there. I'm not totally sold that he's one of your, you know, top, yeah, he's you know number three starter or whatever that you would uh, line up in a playoff rotation. So um, yeah, right now, if I were going into a playoff series, the only guys currently that I would feel really good about would be uh, Kyle Hendricks and probably John Lester. Yeah, so I mean, I guess we'll touch on the Darvish thing again. I mean, I just was listening to another podcast, the Cubs related podcast, and. Uh, Brandon Miller in there had a really good thing about it where it's just, you can't, the fastball thing, you just can't trust if he doesn't have command of his fastball, you're never going to be able to trust him in the game. But then I was thinking, you know, I've looked at his career stats and they're very good, but I never really watched him pitch for the Rangers. So I don't know if he would lose command of his fastball times like this or not. So I don't really know, but his numbers were always much better than this in Texas, but I don't know. Maybe he always had trouble with fastball command. I don't, what do you think? You know, I don't. I don't remember him having a lot of trouble with fastball command. Something that is somewhat symptomatic uh, of a pitcher post Tommy John surgery is uh, struggle with command, and only gets worse the more Tommy John surgeries you have. Uh, which is something that I wrote about Tyler Chatwood prior to last season after the Cubs signed him was that there was um, you know research out there that. Um, had concluded that pitchers who had multiple Tommy John surgeries struggled with command. And uh, generally when they, if they did make it to the big leagues, um, you know, walked a lot of guys and w- wouldn't pitch deep into games. And and I kind of uh, wrote that that could be a concern with the Chatwood signing. And of course it was like the, the most strangely far end spectrum of that with Chatwood last year. But uh, with Darvish, he's had the one Tommy John surgery since coming back. I mean, he's had times where he's had good games and some decent numbers, but he hasn't overall, I don't think he's ever really been the same guy uh, that he was pre Tommy John surgery with the Rangers. So I don't know what you can really expect from him going forward. Is he ever going to be an ace again? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think that's fair to expect from him. Uh, if you, 
you know, if he can get that command down uh, a little bit better, I still think he could be a number two or a number three on a really good team. Uh, but I don't think he's your shutdown ace anymore. I just don't think you can trust him often enough uh, to have good command and be able to, you know, limit the walks and strike out batters um, consistently enough to be able to be that top of the rotation guy. Yeah. So I guess we'll touch a little bit on the bullpen too, because um, it was going good. There was a stat going around that for like about a month, they had the best bullpen ERA, which of course you never really believe. Like that was like, I don't know how that, occurred or what maybe stroke being there was a big factor but clearly this bullpen is lacking i mean just the musical chairs of people coming up and down so you, they're gonna make some kind of move but do you have a good feel of what it's gonna be is it gonna be trying to get kimbrell or is it gonna be more of the trade route i think they're gonna make a trade or two at some point uh, i'd be really surprised if this team signed kimbrell after they cried poor all off season and tom ricketts went out there and tried to explain that fans don't understand how arbitration works and and all that nonsense the cubs put us through in the off season they've gone extremely far out of their way to explain why they can't afford to sign anybody and if kimbrell wants even reasonable money at this point i i don't see any way uh that the cubs are going to be able to do it unless they make some kind of surprising move uh, but at this point they don't even have big salaries that they could possibly dump uh, to clear out a space for for a guy like that. I mean, it, maybe Tyler Chatwood, but he's been one of your more reliable or one of your more valuable relievers. So, uh, but yeah, I I would think that you know there there are going to be a reasonable amount of relief pitchers on the market this year, just based on how many teams are already out of it. Um, I saw somebody compile a list that had maybe 10 or 15 names on it mm-hmm. uh, just from teams that are already pretty much given up on their postseason chances. So there'll be guys on the trade market, but I don't see the Cubs going after Kimbrell. But what you mentioned about that stat where they had that really great run of bullpen work anecdotally, I almost feel like that was because the starters were so good and because they were pitching deep into games and the offense was going so well that the Cubs were bludgeoning teams for a stretch and their bullpen, they were able to bring in guys, you know, for shorter stretches because the starters were going six or seven and they had big leads. So it was always low leverage situations. So yeah, I feel like that that kind of smoke and mirrors of the Cubs having a great bullpen for about a month was more because of all the other great aspects of the game that they were they were playing so well that they were able to utilize their bullpen in pretty much an optimal way. Whereas now we see the starters aren't going deep into games, and you know Strope's injured, and they're basically just scrapping for anybody who can get outs in a high leverage situation and. They just, they don't have it right now. Kinsler has been pretty decent, but I still don't trust him as a high leverage reliever. Steve Ciszek has a track record of being one of the better right-handed relievers in the game for his entire career. But last year he set a a career high in I think both innings and appearances, and he's on track to do about the same this year. And you can already see, you know, the wildness that probably comes with having been used so much. So I don't know how they how they possibly throw together uh, a top notch bullpen with the group they have. Um, even with a couple trades, it's just it's hard to see. Yeah, you're just, at this point, you're just looking for 
a passable bullpen and hope, you know, the starting pitching clicks back in and the offense is clearly there to put, keep the Cubs in a lot of games. So, yeah, I would say that's the one aspect of the team that I think is if we're going to throw a, a, the rubber stamp and say championship worthy. I would say the offense is definitely a championship caliber offense. They just don't have, you know, top of the rotation starting pitching that you uh, that's deep enough that you are positive could carry you in a postseason series. And they don't have shutdown relievers at the end of the bullpen. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, championship caliber offense obviously right now the real story is uh, Rizzo and Brian of course Brian had that collision and mm. sat out a couple of days but Rizzo has been like I, I I know he gets on hot streaks but this one is crazy hot streak even for him yeah I saw somebody put out a stat the other day uh, about Rizzo and his 12th home run of the year and every year in his career and uh I think uh, pretty much every year uh, where he played a full season with the Cubs, he was hitting his 12th home run of the season, either mid June or even early July. And this year he hit it on uh, May 27th, I think. So uh, he's, he's way ahead of the pace. Of course, then, you know, then again, the, the ball's really jumping, you know, a lot of hitters are way ahead of their regular pace. Tommy Lestella has already over doubled his uh, career output in home runs. So the ball's jumping. So those stats are going to be kind of skewed, but Still, Rizzo is, you're right, he's having an outstanding season so far. Um, he's playing like an all-star. I, th- I think he'll probably, at this rate, if he keeps hitting like this, he should be starting at first base for the all-star team. Yeah, it is kind of crazy, though, um, with these, uh, you know, the baseballs. is like, they kind of talk about, what, three or four years ago about them being juiced, but what are, are these like, like, you know, rubber balls or something now they're flying at a baseball stadium uh, just just big super balls yeah i don't know uh, i'm not uh, the, that's for something for smarter people than i to be able to compile data and and talk about you know wind resistance and or air, you know air friction and drag like uh, that's all stuff that's way above my pay grade but um i i do think that there is something there you know that they started using uh, the same balls at AAA this year, and the balls are jumping out of AAA ballparks at a record rate. So, yeah, I, I just don't, I don't know, uh, I don't know what we can even say about it at this point. They've they've done something different with the baseballs that are making them just absolutely jump out of the ballpark. And you know, to a degree, I think it's fun to watch. I enjoy watching home runs. You know, we've we're recording this uh, in the midst of the Cubs Astros game right now. It's tied six six, and I think I've seen five or six home runs in this game. So I, I enjoy it. I think it's cool to see. You know, maybe Javi Baez hits forty home runs this year. Maybe maybe the Cubs have four guys hit over you know thirty five homers. That would be awesome. I'd love to see Jason Hayward hit twenty home runs, which he's you know, well on his way with that pace. So um, I love it. And I think that this team is built to absolutely mash the baseball that way. And as long as the ball's jumping, the the Cubs have an advantage because they have a bunch of guys who can hit home runs. Yeah. Now I'm just imagining this uh, Cubs lineup, you know, in, in Minute Maid Park the whole year. My God. Yeah, right. With the Crawford boxes. Yeah. I think David Bodie would be pretty happy playing in Minute Maid Park all year. Yes, he would. All right, so now I'm going to kind of switch gears. And um, yesterday, Bill Buckner, 
who played for the, was a great Cubs player, uh, played for, I think, four or five years for the Cubs. Sounds not exactly right. sure, yeah. Um, but he uh, passed away, and there's this whole debate that broke out on Twitter, of course, about, you know, the stuff with the air and, you know, bring up the legacy. And I, you know, it really bugs me. I, I kind of went on a rant on the internet about this yesterday too, but it just bugs me the way he, he was treated and the way Steve Bartman was treated, you know? Right. It just, it just bugs me that these guys who did pretty much like Buckner made one ear. He was a great player, terrific guy. And people still would like give him grief for this. And, and, and Bartman just did what every other fan around him was doing at the same time. I mean, he did almost, he did literally nothing wrong. And right. he got all this grief, and it's just—I just, just yeah. want—it just bugs me when people does do stuff like this. Yeah, I mean, I think that just goes down to my theory that people are the worst. So, uh, and I'll—I'll I'll change that theory when anyone proves me wrong. But yeah, it's unfortunate that Bill Buckner will be remembered for that when he has so many other things he could be remembered for. You know. Um, I probably at some point knew about some of those strikeout numbers that he had, uh, strikeout stats, but it wasn't something that was ever top of mind. I always think of Tony Gwynn as like the, you know, the picture of the the last baseball guy who, you know, never struck out. But then, you know, you look at some of Buckner's numbers, like a 4.5% strikeout rate. I mean, just a guy who had a skill for being able to put the bat on the ball. Now, did that always translate to, you know, hits? No. And, you know, for a guy who struck out that, you know, with that small of a rate in that era, I think, you know, a 300 career batting average, 300 is a great number, but you would almost kind of expect it to be higher than that. Uh, He didn't get on base at a high rate. He didn't hit for a ton of power. Wasn't a great defender, but uh, a guy who had a lot of doubles, um, made a ton of contact and had some really good, really good seasons. Yeah. And you know, it's a funny thing that, um, that the kind of grief that I can tell a story from my own experience, because, um, you know, when I was a kid or and where I live in Billings is the rookie league baseball team. And, uh, one year he was a roving, uh, Buckner was a roving instructor for the blue Jays. Mm-hmm. And um, he was there at the game. And there's this guy that was in the crowd that was from Boston that, I mean, I kind of knew a little bit, but he was just a guy that would go to the games. And he started yelling, yelling at Bill Buckner, hey, Buckner, you blew the game. This was like, I don't know, 15 years, 10 years after everything that happened. And I just thought to my, at the time, I was like, whoa. But, you know, looking back on it now, you're like, can't believe a guy would get like, harassed like that in a minor league baseball game 10 years later in Montana, a million miles away from Massachusetts. Yeah. And I just, he must've gotten it everywhere he went. Yeah. I remember hearing stories that, uh, he would get death threats that, um, he was suicidal. Um, I, that's just me. I might be misremembering that, but I, I feel like I remember hearing stories like that where it really bothered him for a long time. And that's really sad. Um, I, you know, it was, you know, a lot of too little, too late, in my opinion. But it was cool when they won in two thousand four that they brought Bill Buckner um, in to celebrate that championship with him. And I, I know the fans gave him a fairly positive ovation uh, when that happened. But again, that's a uh, you know a lot of too little, too late because of you know it. And 
I think when fans act that way, they're taking their cues from the media. Mm-hmm. And I think Boston media was probably a little unkind to him uh, in the way that Chicago media was very unkind to Steve Bartman in the wake of the loss in 2003. I remember, I don't remember what station it was. It might've been WGN, but uh, some radio hosts after the game, just really letting Steve Bartman have it and, and calling him out for what happened and blaming him for everything. And, you know, that, that only gained steam and the media just kept the, that ball rolling, whether it was specifically blaming him or just continuing to drag that story out. Remember somebody in 2005 did like a long form story, maybe for ESPN or something like that. When, uh, uh, when the Red Sox were in town playing the Cubs, I remember reading it. It was a, a reporter basically doing everything he could to track down Steve Bartman. Yeah. I think, I think he like stocked him to like a, Parking, parking garage or something? Yeah. 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 And it's like, you know, obviously this guy doesn't want to be found. He does he doesn't want the spotlight. You know, he he didn't want any of that. Uh so it's that kind of stuff, you know, with, with Buckner specifically, uh, because you know that I, I feel like, you know, he's a ball player and, and that's an error on a play that admittedly ball players will make. Um so it, it's even harder, I think, for him because he can't just disappear from the spotlight and just never reappear again like like Bartman did. Yeah, and it's one of those things, too, where it's like, it's weird what gets decided to be the thing. You yeah. know, in the Red Sox game, the closer had already blown the game. The game was already tied when that error happened. So they'd already blown the lead. And, like, in the Bartman thing, there are a lot of air. Like, there's a missed double play later from Alex Gonzalez. It's just like, but the media will decide one thing is what they're going to talk about, and that's right. what you get talked about. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like Alex Gonzalez got his share of blame. I feel like Dusty Baker got his share of blame. Mark Pryor got his share. Moises Alou got his share. There was a lot of blame that went around for that 2003, uh, if you want to even just narrow it down to just that sixth inning. But, you know, Steve Bartman specifically, you know, it's not his fault it happened. If he doesn't knock that ball away from Moises Salou, do they get that out? Yeah, they do. But is that is is the end result his fault? You know, Luis Castillo didn't get a hit out of that. All Mark Pryor has to do is make a pitch. And, you know, I think at that moment in the game, it was a 3-2 count to Castillo with Juan Pierre at first base and one out. You know, obviously, that in a three three nothing lead in the eighth inning, that, that's that's still a winnable game. That that you know, but the they just didn't come back from that, and that's uh, that was unfortunate. I don't mean to be bra- dragging out all the all the wounds of the two thousand three team. I I had a radio appearance uh, on the score with Mark Grody a couple weeks ago where I accidentally dropped a Mark Pryor reference, and and they just oh they let me have it for that. It, well, I'll just say I'll finish with my. Big theory for that 2003 team anyway. They weren't actually that good. I don't no, think they, they were weren't. a championship caliber team. No, they had really good starting pitching, though. Uh, they didn't have a great bullpen. Kerry uh, Wood, Mark Pryor, and Carlos Zambrano were were top-notch. I mean, and they were going really well up until the end. I feel like if the starting pitching had pitched, you know, if they had won that game or the next game and gone to the World Series, I think they could have won. Um, they, they could have won the world series if the pitching was going well. And I think it was just a, this really good combination of 
you know, Sosa was hitting well, uh, especially against uh, the Marlins. He had a few home runs. And then Moises Alou was hitting well. Alex Gonzalez had a few homers. They had Eric Karros and Randall Simon sharing time at first base. They just, they put it all together in a way that was, you know, good enough for a, a good postseason run. Uh, after making it in with like 88 wins. So yeah, yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a classic, like going a hot streak. At right. The right they, time. they had that right formula to win a championship, but it just didn't work out. Uh, they, they didn't have good enough bullpen and, you know, their manager worked those, the starting pitching arms to have, you know, absolutely to death. Yep. On that, on that happy note, I guess we'll move on from the, remember that's kind of a bummer segment that I did there, but yeah, though, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, and the Cubs gave up two runs while I was talking about that. So now it's eight to six, Houston. Yep. Well, I guess the bullpen is still a problem now. Yes, it them. is. All right. Well, um, uh, uh, okay, that's what I'm going to ask you now. Since I teased it at the start, uh, your new podcast um, yeah. that you've been talking about. Just uh, tell everyone a little bit about it. Yeah, it's titled "Everyone Is Stupid Except Me," and uh, it's. Uh, it's a little bit outside of what I've done in the past. I've done mostly baseball stuff um, when I've done podcasts or uh, you know YouTube stuff or even just my writing. I have a lot more interests uh, than just baseball, and I, I kind of want to push myself outside my comfort zone, spread my wings a little bit. Uh, it's going to be a podcast where I bring on a guest, hopefully for every episode, uh, to talk you know, about whatever is going on with that guest, their interest, their career. Uh, we'll talk, you know, we'll talk Marvel cinematic universe. We'll talk star Wars. We'll probably talk baseball. Um, we'll, we'll do, we'll do just about anything, uh, anything that's entertaining. I'm all for, and I'm, I'm going to really try and, uh, push, like I said, push myself outside my comfort zone to, uh, do something that I think will be entertaining for just about anybody. You know, whether you are specifically interested in the topic we're talking about or not, I, I feel like it, it can be something that the average person could listen to every time and maybe learn about something new that they didn't pay attention to before, but in an interesting way. And one of the ideas I had already is I used to do a uh, podcast called the Simpsons 138 Episode Spectacular Podcast, where a friend of mine and I were counting down, we ranked 138 episodes of the Simpsons and we were counting down on our list pod, you know, episode by episode and it just ran it just ran out of steam, but I'd like to have him on and maybe we talk about our top 10 that we never got to. And so that's just an, I, you know, one episode idea. Uh, it'll be different week to week, but I hope it'll always be fun. I hope it'll always be irreverent and I, I really hope that people like it. I assume you have your, Top ten Simpsons episodes listed already in your mind. I do. I, yeah, I have them written down. We, uh, my my friend Larry and I, who, who did that podcast with me, and I think we we started at one thirty eight, and I think we made it as far as one fourteen. So we did, <laughs> we did a lot of episodes, but I think it was bigger than we a big, bigger thing that we could chew, bigger bite. But uh, but yeah, we we took we basically each made a list of 138 and then we agreed on 138 in a list and then we each ranked them and then we kind of, you know, sent it back and forth shifting, 
you know, making little adjustments until we got to a list we agreed on. But yeah, we, we have a top 10 that, uh, that's out there that, uh, it's my, my and his agreed upon top 10, uh, Simpsons list, which is just crazy to even think about. Right. Yeah. So they, I mean, it's hard to, episodes now or something. Yeah. Something like that. You know, there's a lot that isn't even really, uh, great television anymore, but, uh, there are probably 50 episodes that I, maybe even a hundred that people could legitimately make an argument to be in their personal top 10. So it's, you know, just the gift that keeps on giving. All right. Well, I'll ask you then one more. Do you have a favorite, what's your favorite season? Then you give away the list. Yeah. Season eight is definitely my favorite season. If you look at the list of episodes in season eight, I would say that probably 95% of the episodes are just absolute classics. You have, you only move twice, which is the Hank Scorpio episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have, uh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the Simpsons files where, uh, you know, the FBI shows up and they have the Homer sees the alien that turns out to be Mr. Burns. There, there's just, uh, it's just classic after classic in that season. If I ever want to watch just a great episode of the Simpsons, I usually go to the eighth season and just kind of pick one. Yeah. Those are seventh and eighth are good. I like five because yeah, those are some of the Conan ones and stuff that were really great. Right. Like yeah. Like yeah. Marge versus the monorail and stuff like that. Did he? Yeah. That, that's a great, uh, that's the one that Conan's most known for. Uh, and, and it's a very good episode. There were some other ones early on that he, uh, that he did. There were a lot of, a lot of people who graduated from the Simpsons, so to speak, that I think a lot of are, are kind of names in the industry now that a lot of people don't realize started there. I, I, I feel like even if you know the Simpsons, you know, Conan O'Brien got his start there, but there are so many people out there who know who Conan O'Brien is. And I kind of casually mentioned that he was a Simpsons writer before he was really anything else. And, and people are floored by that. So, uh, there's him, there's Brad bird who I think did the, uh, the Incredibles. He, he started with the Simpsons. There's a, there's just a whole lot of people who have gone on to do great things that got their start there. Yeah. Yeah. So no, it sounds like a very interesting podcast and it's got a great name. So yeah. And I, I mean, it's a great Simpsons reference, right? And if you don't get the reference and you think I'm, I'm just filled with hubris and, and creating that title, maybe the, uh, maybe the podcast isn't for you. Yeah, that's right. Oh, those Frank Grimes out there. <laughs> so angry. Yes. All right. Well, thank, thank you for coming on. Yeah. Hope we didn't depress the people too much with our reminiscing about the Cubs losing and stuff. But Yeah, well, I watched the Cubs likely lose a game against the Astros talking about uh, the Cubs losing the 2003 NLCS. I, I didn't think that's where we were going today, but I'm okay with it. Yep. Right. Well, thank you for coming on. Anytime. You can follow me at STH85 on Twitter. Um, you want to email the podcast? Holycowpod at gmail.com. Uh, you can always message me on Twitter too at STH85. Um, podcast, of course, is available on iTunes. Just search for Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. You can subscribe. Uh, also, you can rate and review it. I've gotten some ratings, which is nice. See, some of you people think. Uh, you can always review it, too, if you think there's something I can change about the podcast. Um, and until the next episode, thank you for listening.